Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am thrilled to welcome my next guest, an artist who works across cinema, photography, editorial, and installation art. His practice tinkers with the line between nostalgia and memory as a means to peel back our prescribed histories and illuminate the contributions of unsung communities. Please welcome Lyndall Tellington. Welcome to the podcast. What's up? Thanks for thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You you would think I practiced that once or twice um, leading into this. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've had that, was, that was smooth. Well, thank you. You do that well. I've had people say, like, look, I'm just going to use that. I'm not going to use the rest of the podcast, just the intro. And so I put that as a ringtone. I was like, you're wilding. So, you know, as we <laughs> kind of get into get into the introductory portion of it, um, I'm going to, you know, serve up the space for you to, um, you know, share a bit about your background. Tell us a bit about your background, your your work, mm-hmm. um, some of your interests growing up, because I find that it's always something. You know, it's always something that's like, yeah, I remember back in the day when I saw this picture book and it got me interested in doing this art or I saw this comic and now I'm an illustrator. So, you know, set the stage for us a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I have to, if I start anywhere, I have to start, I guess, with, you know, Baltimore Born and Raised, um, you know, um, still very special to me. Um, but moved to Philly when I was 20. Um always had a connection to visual art, you know, I went to arts high school. Um, I remember one of my earliest memories with visual art was um, my mom was artistically inclined, is artistically inclined. She's a creative at heart, Um, but she drew a Ninja Turtle. And then I drew all the accessories on it, like the bandana, like the, you know, like the, uh, I forget the little, whatever tie up they had with their names on and all that stuff. Like I drew that stuff. So it's an early memory. I don't know what that drawing is, but uh, um, so I always had a family that also supported that art. My dad's a music producer. So I always had that um, nurtured and harness. I never know what it's felt like to not have support for that. Um, so, you know, it's, I think that's informed my work and it's even become a part of my work, family to a degree, at least most recently. So that's really important to me. And then when I moved to Philadelphia, it was actually in the midst of the recession. So, um, well, the last one, sorry to be bleak, but, <laughs> um, but um, so money was tight and the, the way institutions worked at that time were very different. Um, so I had to drop out of school, health insurance I didn't have for years and I was hustling. Like, you know, I went from jobs like, you know, working at Ritz Camera while like, uh, teaching middle schools and high school was video production, which I had done since I was 19 years old, but really became like, you know, um, a way for me to sustain myself at a time where things were tight. And this is before Instagram, this is before like, you know, YouTube was still the video dominant um, platform, you know, um, and this is before advertising, before, you, before Instagram even had video, you know, so this was a really weird time um to 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 be someone whose primary medium is that and fortunately stuck with it and um end up doing stuff for brands and smaller businesses and some tech stuff here and there so i've always been very versatile just something that's been ingrained in me um my dad has always ingrained that to me to like not pigeonhole yourself because you might need to eat and for better or for worse um it's it shows in my in the work I've done for clients throughout my career, 
Um, you know, everything from making wine publications to shooting films for Michelin star chefs to, you know, filming website videos for tech, web, you know, tech, tech companies doing websites for folks. So it's been a really weird range, but it hasn't been until the last five years that I've gotten closer to just focusing on my practice, yeah. um, which is very different from what some of that work is. You know, some of it I take pride in and some of it is like, no, I definitely had to eat. So, um, but that's like the gamut of it. And now I'm in a space, like I said before, where I'm really trying to hone in on um, the aesthetic sort of specificity of what, what my art looks like and feels like. So, Thank you. Um, shout out to Baltimore. I mean, I, I go up there to Philly every couple of weeks. I'm doing this little sort of uh, Friday is for uh, Philly thing. And I'm Baltimore based. I'm from Baltimore as well. I'm here, you know, gang, gang. And, you know, doing that back and forth, it's it's always interesting to see like people who've made that sort of shift to go up there and kind of seeing what it is to have that experience being creative in Baltimore and then being creative and doing creative work in Philadelphia, or as I like to describe it as a, a similar city in terms of like the amount of creatives that are in this condensed small pocket. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I mean, they have a lot of similarities, but also not, you know, I mean, it's, my relationship to both those cities have changed based upon the time I spent with them. Um, you know, um, but for me, yeah, my life is sort of split between both those cities. Like I work with the Black Star Film Festival and I'm up in Philly like a fair bit of time, but I also have a, you know, one of the artists in residence or resident artists, that's the correct wording. I'm a resident artist at the Creative Alliance. And um, um so my time is literally split. Sometimes it feels like it's more in Philly, but, but you know, I, I cherish, like, I cherish what Baltimore is because I, I guess it's maybe the point I am in my life and making work about family very directly. I, I just hearing, just hearing the little nuances and voices just does something, you know. Um, there's a weird endorsement that happens when like, you hear someone say a word or you watch TV and, and there's still like, is Baltimore and someone says something like, mm, they wouldn't say it like that, you know, whatever, those feelings are similar. And, yeah. um, so it's something about being back and, you know, and this is no shade to Baltimore whatsoever. I actually love this, but like, it's just, it's slower than Philadelphia. Philadelphia has become a lot more, it's grown a lot, you know, um, a lot of people are moving to the city, um, not just from New York, but way farther. Um, and, and sometimes I wish I could look at the city with, with a fresh pair of eyes, but I've, I've lived there for about um, 15 years at this point. Mm. So, you know, being in Baltimore is actually very grounding and like being like six o'clock on a Sunday in Baltimore, it can be pretty quiet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I like that, you know. <laughs> um, you know, being being where I am right now, like the walks near um, Patterson Park and all that stuff, to, um, my runs near the water. I mean, I really like that. That's having that space, and it's been really humbling. And um, you know, I don't know, it's something about it. I didn't really feel as a kid that I actually really enjoy right now. Yeah. Um, which is which is really fascinating. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the dichotomy, you know, in, in terms of how I sit with the city re uh, currently, but Philadelphia is ultra important to me. That's where a lot of my community is, you know, in terms of in my life that's been spent there. Yeah. Even though I've been in Baltimore heavy in that time, Baltimore's a hop, skip, and a jump away. But um, 
Yeah, um, the folks at Black Star Film Festival are definitely like uh, friends, family sort of you know um, relationship, and um, I, we've all grown together in many ways. So I think you know it, there's a uh, <laughs> there's this weird um, um, was it's this idea that certain places have like a magnet and like they can always attract people, and I feel like Philly's one of those places. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know what that is. Like I've known people be on the road leaving Philly and come right back. <laughs> so, and I don't know what that is, but there's something about that place that does that. So I don't think it's leaving anytime soon. And I wouldn't want it to, you know, but those folks there are family for sure. Thank you. Thank you for that uh that nice little chunk on Philly and that Baltimore thing. I, you know, in, in doing, you know, as I was saying, this this series and you know, spending pretty much since September going up there like, you know, twice a month, three times a month, and talking to artists and being there in the fashion district, which I'm told it was named something else, but being down there and in Rec Philly and kind of just exploring and seeing different mm-hmm. things. And, you know, just getting tapped in with people that are in different pockets of, um, you know, arts and culture, whether it be talking to the the folks in the uh, Latin Film Festival, um, Afro Taino, talking to folks in Japan American Society, um, talking to just the creatives that are there at Rec Philly, talking mm-hmm. to folks in your arts. It's like, yo, I'm getting a nice mm-hmm. cross-section of people and you know you get those referrals. You got to check this place out. You got to check that place out and yeah, seeing the city in that way. No, I mean, it's definitely like a, a, it's a word of mouth city, like, you know, and I, I wouldn't, I feel Baltimore similar. They do have a similar sort of like connection that way. But, you know, um, yeah, it's like sometimes, I think less so now. I think, you know, the internet does something and, you know, but, but it, I feel like there is a sort of like, um, what do you call it? Like a, there's like a, a network that exists in these cities. There's like the things you see that are like mostly publicized and then like sort of this, I don't know, I wouldn't say subculture, but just like, it's another, it's like another form of communication. But um, I think word of mouth is just something special about both the cities. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes to food. I think that's another thing. I've now I got a few questions to add in my rapid fire portion. So thank you for giving me that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh God, um, you're going to, oh, I don't want to mess that up. <laughs> so so I, I want to shift into a little bit, um, going, going back a little bit into, you know, talking about your practice, like you, you were touching on as far as some of the client work. And I definitely mm. relate to that, you know, whereas like, you know, last year it was like, all right, do a little ghost podcast stuff. I got to pay this bill here. Mm. I got to fund this mm. really, you know, trying not to have that bleed into sort of this portion of it because this is where I'm satisfied creatively, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, talk about like, you know, you're, you see that your work has the, you know, cinema photography editorial and, you know, an installation components that are all kind of coming together. Where do they intersect? Where do they diverge? I mean, some of it's newer and some of it's, I mean, I feel like it's all image based for me, but I feel like film or cinema is usually the foundation for me, at least at this moment in my life, you yeah. know, um, Maybe that the my art will change and something else will. But even with any of those mediums, I feel like I'm looking at it from the experience of the filmmaker because I don't know, maybe because you get so much information in, in that sort of thinking. You get audio, you get visual, 
I, I feel like it's just a good space for me to start from. It's, it's what I, I most, you know, connect with. Um, I was at one point intimidated by photography, like maybe 10 or 12 years ago. I wouldn't consider myself a photographer, even though I took photos here and there. It's just that I, I just did, never had that. Um, I did in high school. I took film f- photos, but um, I just felt like I, I wasn't, I didn't have the formal learning or training, and then I had to let that go. Mm-hmm. And because um, I was taking photos all the time, so um, I accept that now. Um, but I think for me, where they intersect is really, hmm, I mean, I think it's, I think the obvious answer is storytelling. Mm-hmm. But if I am honest with myself, I think even before that, in a weird way, it is the image. You know, I feel like if I if I I've been thinking a lot about um, my early formative memories, like the one I mentioned to you with my mother earlier, and it's the image really that that maybe made me want to be the person that draws something or like potentially like build to get to the point of story. It was something about the image I feel like I gravitated toward first. So I think it is that combination thing, visual storytelling or whatever you want to call it, but um, I think for any space I work in, I'm always interested in making you dig deeper. I think that's the, I think that's the, the thread for, if not, I really think about it, like for all those things. Um, I feel like if right now I'm working on a film about my family, but every time I, you know, my film if I give that description, that only says this so much. And for me, I'm about the, again, specificity of the things. And it's not just about my family. It's about legacy. It's not just about legacy. It's about what happens to legacy once you don't own a home anymore. It's not just about that experience. What happens when you lose legacy? What is my family's legacy now that we don't own my great-grandmother's home? She was a, you know, she's always been an unabashed, independent Black woman. And how does that permutated the family and shaped the family yeah um so i think for me it's like oh we got here then how do we get here and how do we get here and then once you've taken that journey you look back like oh we we, we got all the way to this point from that little, yeah <laughs> from that little thing and um so i think that isn't that's the through line for me because even if the photo it might just be image based you know um but i don't want you to look at that person's lashes you know to be like they have beautiful lashes or like they, oh, I know what they deal with their lashes. If you're someone who knows how that works, it's like, you know, I, I think those things to dig deeper into who a person is, what they do. And um, it might be a look in their face and, you know, two people could be looking at that image and have two different interpretations of that look. And I think that journey is, a, is the thing I find most fascinating about art Yeah, is that, um you can it's you can i don't know it's a in the mediums i work in specifically at least in the way that i like to work it's something about bringing in people into a space or an environment in a universe that they may not be familiar with or they are vastly familiar with and they feel seen in it and i think that journey and digging deeper and for people who might not necessarily connect directly with people on screen and find themselves in it, I think is um, something I find important and more transformative about art as I begin to talk to people more about 
the stuff that I'm working on and how it connects because I feel like I didn't have that practice until recently. Yeah. Um, as someone who has been a freelancer. So in, in going down that path a little bit, um, and, and thank you for, for sharing that. I, I, I have this question. You don't have this question, but I have this question because when, when people talk about storytelling and, and going deep, you know, that's one of the things that's kind of baked into what I'm doing here of like, oh, you guys said there's only this happening in Baltimore, this happening in this city. I'm going to try to interview as many people as I can to kind of disprove that notion that it's just crime or it's just this or that or whatever. Oh, no. So that's that's, yeah, that's like my reasoning. Right. And so. Mm-hmm. For you, when you're 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 going down, you're like you know obviously it's something personal. You talk family, but when you're going down like the path of like this is the story that I want to tell. How do you know when you've kind of like you've gotten it? You've hit like bedrock. You're like, all right, we're we're there. This is how deep I want to go here. Or how do you know when you want to go further? Like, is it a curiosity thing? Is it a I'm feeling something? Let's dig deeper. Tell me about that. I think. It's, I mean, there's, I feel like there's usually an inkling of curiosity that usually hits me. And for me, as I interviewed my great grandmother and just had more questions, and the questions I had were more so about these little moments I got from her in the story. And I was like, you know, what is, what is that about? And like, you know, um, what is it? How has that sentiment, that energy um, transcended? you know, over generations, because there are certain isms, for lack of a better word, that like the family has. And, um, you know, I feel like, you know, my, uh, my great grandmother was sort of this person who was very into nature and, but also would like curse you out and, but knew everybody and was in their business. And, and I feel like, you know, her two daughters, my great aunt and my grandmother took those different sides and I, my my grandmother and me, my mom and my sister, ultra calm, like real chill. Yeah. But like on my on my great aunt's side, those cousins they like to stunt, like they like to stunt. And like you know, um, my cousin Shauna is, you know, a teacher, like you know, just instinctually a mother, but doesn't have her own kids. But like. I swear she's a godmother for half of West Baltimore, but like there's a certain energy that has permutated the family and um, and how do you, how do you communicate that in film without me having to say what I just said? That's how a lot of the film started, and um, so that was the first sort of like breadcrumb, and then it became like, well, how do you make that substantive for our audience because it's such a metaphysical thing that I just explained, yeah. and. So that's how the idea of property came up in my in, in legacy, because people can really connect with that. And connecting those two ideas together and sort of figuring out there that actually these things, that is a legacy. Legacy isn't always a tangible thing. And thinking about how communities of color, um, oftentimes it's not, you know, especially in the, the past, you know, 30, 40 years, we've lost so much. Farmers, black farmers have lost so much. So um yeah so i think those things began to sit with me and obviously the world is happening so you know this film is almost a decade like i i even my great-grandmother in 2014 and the film was a lot and not just as a filmmaker but in my own life in my connection to my family 
family as the only male of my great grandmother's non descendant, you know, and and the only one who's had constant communication with that father. So I'm gonna give it that space. Um, once I start going down the path, I I go down as far as possible, and then I bring it back. And I feel like that's a filmmaker's process. You shoot a ton, and then you shoot a thousand hours. You're gonna have a ninety minute film. Um, so you know. Um, now I need to figure out how much I've actually shot in hours, but it's been a lot, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's for this project specifically, but it's one of those things is that you have to let life play out. It's one of those mediums where you're telling a, a story, especially a family. Or, um, you have to let family have a story to tell. And not to say that no one will have a story to tell in five years in the making of this film. But 10 years is, some, is, is a life, you know. And I was really interested in... The, the story of how does someone's life still live with someone after they've gone. And, you know, I guess it's a spoiler. My great-grandmother does pass in the film, but that's the first 10 minutes. That's nothing. And um, so that was always something I wanted to figure out. So all those things I previously mentioned were connected to, you know, what I tell people is I'm closer with that woman now than I was when she was living. Right. And through making this film, and I don't know, you know, I, you have to, if something calls you, sometimes you just have to heed to the call. Yeah. And that's what that situation was. Like, I, I I wasn't trying to make a film. I was just trying to interview my great grandma. Like, it was, it was no expectation. And then it's been an awesome space for me to grow for my sister because, you know, she's a co-director on the film now. And I, that was not expected. And, um, so I don't know, a lot of those decisions and ways of collaborating are both informed by that call, yeah. but also informed by like the, the history and legacy of documentary and, um, being a person of color making documentary and like historically has been a very ethnographic medium and how do you try to interrupt that? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the long and the short of it. It's like some of these investigations start from a very personal place and some of them are from a very practice-oriented space. Thank you. That's that's great. I mean, being able to do something that's that's personal and then having like a message in there and you know, like you said, 10 years is it's a nice it's a nice chunk of time. <laughs> and yeah. To really kind of get a sense of how's oh, that you know i would imagine like if you're watching something and someone's like yeah okay let's look at it let's look at the um when we're we gonna screen this it's like yeah i didn't have gray hair back then now i have this one gray that's yeah. and now i have two grays it's yeah. like oh man <laughs> yeah it's a showing <laughs> when it wants to that one joint but um but yeah i mean but also that's i need to do other things because like that's such a long form, <laughs> you know, you have to get your art endorphins in other ways. So that's why I like been doing portraits, a lot of portraits, the best why photography is there. I think it's been a, a, a space for me for things to be not as precious and, um, and to tinker. I've been doing that with video a lot recently and just shooting like 30 seconds of a person seated 
it's just another space for me to just to just like you know i just really enjoy image let's see what we can do and if we can carry that into a project great if not let that be what it is that film is so procedural and i've been trying to find a, a sketchbook for a filmmaker as a filmmaker so one of the it's, it's funny like every now and again you know i'll uh, I, I think it's something important about play. Like I had, I'm kind of riding this wave right now where I had this bout of like creative confidence. I was lacking in creative confidence for a bit. And I was like, all right, I need to really focus on that and kind of examine this while still being in it. You know, I'm not just going to say, Hey, I want to take off three months from podcasting or any of the creative stuff that I do just to really weed through it. It's just like, nah, you got to kind of work through some of these things. So now I'm kind of like past that on the other side of it. And now I'm kind of just getting this sort of inspiration to do stuff that's in like a still podcasting, but in a slightly different way. Like I'm very into pop culture. So like every other day I'll have like, you know what? I watch a lot of these shows. I feel like I could do like a series, like dissecting these things because, you know, people do that and people enjoy like revisiting like old media, whether it be, I think like I do a movie review podcast outside of this and Mm-hmm. You know, I look at some of the older movies. Like, I think the oldest movie we did we did was um maybe Scanners from like 1981, and mm-hmm. and that got a lot of downloads. I was like, okay, I got some scanner heads out there, which is a pun. Yeah, no, some scanner heads out there, I'm sure. <laughs> and you know, so I'm looking at it. I'm like, I had this idea about like cop shows from the 80s because they're not good, but I feel like it's a lot of things. I'm afraid. <laughs> So I'm, I'm afraid what you're gonna see. Uh, look, I'm looking at doing Miami Vice was fun, but I wonder how it feels now. <laughs> I literally had this conversation with one of my Puerto Rican buddies. I was like, "Hey, so what are we in Miami Vice?" He's like, "We're both drug dealers." No, that's just yeah. unfortunately what that situation looks like. But I think kind of getting that that sort of hit, and I think the reason I'm mentioning it, sort of getting that endorphin that hit from doing something that's slightly different being able to experiment mm-hmm. so the concept of experimentation play how has that really like served you as far as like is it mm-hmm. that endorphin hit is it just i need to step away from this to do something slightly different or it's like i gotta eat <laughs> um no i mean you know i think like usually it's the projects where you have a little bit of space you know, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's been there's been times where it just been it's been no pay. It's just like helping a friend out on a project, um, filming someone. You know, like a performance artist. Like sometimes you just get certain images out of that, and then um, they're just good things to remember about the medium when you have those discoveries. And sometimes those small discoveries might not feel like. You know, it's like, I might not even be using this video for anything, but what you get from that, I think, informs your reflexes and all these other things that, you know, um, you know, it, it, so I think, I think those, those moments when you, sometimes it is a project that people see, and sometimes it's been client stuff where I've like, I was like, oh, that's, a, that's something to remember. Like, I did not expect that to, to work, to, to work that way. And yeah. It actually kind of saved this shoot. Um, but I mean, I think for an example is like the, the portrait stuff I've been doing recently has just been a really fun way for me to just get back in touch with lighting, 
and, you know, and because a lot of the client stuff I do is not the most adventurous fighting, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I'm in a space where I've been doing a lot of documentary-esque work, so that lighting has to be more naturalistic, for lack of a better word. But now I'm, I'm, I miss narrative, you know, I miss working with actors, and that'll be happening by the end of this year at some point. I'm trying to figure out, sitting on a couple of short scripts and... Um, so I'm just, you know, desiring to to build worlds from scratch rather than trying to play around what's there. Of course, at times that'll happen even in world building, but, you know, um, being more intentional about that in that way and um, has been important to me. So I think going around on a small scale with that stuff has been important um, um, just to see what you find in that and like what discoveries you make in that or what goofy things happen. Sometimes a lot of stuff is happening with homies and it's just another way for us to, to build together and, um, to, to refine our, um, like I don't play sports, but I feel like, and I've never been a sports person, but you know, I'm trying to find that alignment with my crew, Yeah, you know, um, and sometimes it's just a really dumb Saturday where we just call a bunch of people to come to the studio and do some porches where you really come out with some cool shit. So I like that. I um <laughs> I, I think I think it's something like to be said when you, you know, have that space. And I like that you, you touched on that where I encounter this different, you know, things float my way. Hey, you want to do this, you want to do that. And I'm trying to extend and like do other things in addition to kind mm-hmm. of have more diverse, I guess, portfolio. Cause I find mm-hmm. that it goes back to, I think the thing that your dad said, away, you don't want to be pigeonholed. It's kind of this thing where it's like, Oh, you're a podcaster. So that's all you can do. That's the only thing mm-hmm. you're a podcaster mm-hmm. in Baltimore. You'd be surprised how many people were in the DMS. Why are you in Philly? Why are you doing interviews in Philly? And I'm like, oh, wow. cause I want to like, what, what are you asking me? <laughs> like, you were like, who, yeah. who am I? So it, I it, mean, it, people are loyal. People are loyal to Baltimore. Loyalty, <laughs> like, is, I, important. I loyalty yeah. is very important. Um, it, but I think it's it's sort of this desire to always kind of like be on brand and realize why you're doing what you're doing, but also kind of always be moving toward the next goal, having like an intention of this is where I want to go. This is what I see it becoming. And I have a grand scheme in mind as to what I want to do. And, and I have a rule of thumb that I kind of go by to, to get better, to move to the sort of next thing as it relates to your work. And this is actually the last real question as it relates to your work. What is that rule of thumb for you? For you? Oh, the rule of thumb for the rule of thumb for like getting better at your craft. Hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's, you know, part of what I said earlier is like, if, if I think it's not being complacent, that that's a part of it. And, and I think the other part of it is, again, heat into that call. And like, sometimes that call is uncomfortable, but it's like, you know, something might come out of that. It might not even make the, the cut, but sometimes you got to go on that journey, I guess, you know? Um, so, but yeah, not being complacent. And I think a part of being complacent is being open and receptive enough to, to heed whatever the call is. And um, to lean into it. Um, but I think, yeah, complacency is, it scares me. I don't want to be complacent, you know, because I feel like it, 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 it means that your brain is fed and I don't think that's possible. 
I've, I've heard uh, complacency described only in really negative ways. Like complacency is death is a quote I've heard. Uh, oh, I mean, I think in some places I think it's great though. And, and I, I think people mistaken complacency for certain things too. I think it's also, and I feel like for me, I've done it. Like, you know, as an artist is like, and, and I move a particular way, like I don't, you know, I feel like my mom would like me to have children, but that I don't know if that's happening. But, you know, the person who, has a nine to five and goes to their kids like you know i think that is a certain practice too that we haven't we we don't emphasize like you know um i see my friends like wale and taj who are dads and who are also killing it in the world you know i think i'm amazed by those people because i'm like <laughs> y'all killing it y'all kids are like awesome like my sister like my oldest sister on my dad's side and my youngest sister like i'm amazed that you know they, they carry your life and i think that's also important and that's a skill and discipline like um uh, teachers like yeah. <laughs> so i think you know i think what we assumed i, I feel like things that i've said uh, like a type of life that's complacent i think there's an art in those things i don't think we really realize and you know we haven't surmised but but yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, but I mean the complacency where you're you you you're you don't want to grow. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just like, and maybe that's not your space, but maybe that's just like you know. I always I, the first thing I ask if I ever like show up in a classroom, what I ask kids like, what are they listening to? And I, I don't know. It's just having that connection and. and that curiosity like we were talking about earlier about the world, I think that opens up so much. And I'm just glad that I have people who, in my life who like really nurtured that. So yeah, and I think black kids, you know, black and brown kids deserve that. I mean, you don't get it enough, so. That's great. It's a great, great um, point. And um, a great spot for us to end on with the real questions. So I, I think- Oh, here we go, the pop-up like, jokes. I, 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 yeah, I think you know what time it is. I think you know what time it is. So I got four of them for you. Um, and the way that this works is you don't want to overthink them. You know, whatever pops in your head when the question is asked, that's the, that's the thing that we're going to go with. You know, it's like what I said oh, is what I said. Uh, I'm going to throw a softball out there for you. I told you food was going to come back for you. I told you this. What is your favorite, quote unquote, bad food? Oh, favorite bad food. It could be snacks, it could be junk food, it could be fast food, things like that. Oh, I have I have a couple of joints. Please like middle of the night there's just like quarters to not middle of the night it's it's more like 10 p.m i'm working late there's this corner store across from the studio and i'll get it's bad i'll get like some doritos that's like real bad but most times my go-to my go-to is like real bad like real debbie's donut sticks oh yeah bad but it's good though. I smash a donut stick. I don't care what nobody yeah. said. <laughs> you want to get that joint? You want to heat it up for like fifteen seconds? Don't go over. Don't go under. <laughs> you know, I'm not even going front. I, I don't even try to try to make it better. I'm just donut stick. <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> I know what this is. It's not good. I remember. It's... It was. It was one point in the old like studio space. I had a studio apartment that also served served as a podcast studio. So it was a. It was quote and, and unquote. You know what I mean. And 
I remember it was one, this was like 2012. So when all of this stuff about the world was going to end and everything, right? <laughs> I remember I was living over there on Rossiter. I would really make it real Baltimore for you. And I would go over there mm. past the uh, Sudsville, go to the 7-Eleven. Mm. I was like, yo, I'm going to need, uh, what is it? The sour cream and cheddar ruffles. And I'm going to need that like mm. the, the white icing tasty cake honey bun joints. Wow. I my joint is 7-Eleven, not go front. I am a 7-Eleven apple fritter proponent. Um you want to say I used to <laughs> I used to deliver uh papers for like USA Today with my grandmom and um or she would have me come along with her on her job. And we used to go to the seven eleven in Hamden. And you know it Hamden at like two or three o'clock at night is is back then it was just it was wild looking. <laughs> so, <laughs> so many stories. <laughs> yeah, I have a few <laughs> myself. All right, all right, let me let me get back on point. Um yeah. uh so okay. Uh do you collect anything? Yeah, no, I mean I definitely collect magazines. Um I'm trying to think what else, like RT party magazines, like um, oh what am I talking about? I collect some figures, I ain't gonna front. I've, I've been investing in some figures recently. Like I got some joint side show that I'm very pleased with. So, okay. Uh, because you asked the question earlier and you said you go into a classroom. What are you listening to currently? Oh, what am I listening to currently? I usually have to pull up my phone real quick because I don't want to lie to you. I've been listening to a lot of samples. I've been on a sample pick recently. I feel like I haven't been listening to anything new, like very, very new that I've been like, crazy impressed with but like you know all i've i've been listening to um some joints off of the young guns album from like i think it might have been 2003 yo not gonna front there's some production on there i'm sorry there's some beats on there that i like i there's some beats on there <laughs> you took it back um, 20 years i love it <laughs> yeah so i've been listening to that and samples from that um what else uh that's that's primarily it recently oh that's not true let me let me just let me say one more and i'll drop it yeah a lot of yaya bay yep nice yeah yep that's it so this is the last one and uh i'm looking for three things here so if you were stranded on a desert desert island what are three items that you bring with you um Nah, that means that that insinuates you have no electricity. It does. Oh, that's hard. It's it. Oh man, that means you don't have no music, and that hurts. Bring in a knife because <laughs> I need to get that. Uh, I need to get them fish or something. I gotta eat. <laughs> that's true. I guess let's start with the necessities. <laughs> um, a knife would be nice. What tunes do I have? <laughs> because <laughs> i'm thinking about like stupid stuff Dude, but <laughs> first world like all right what do i need again <laughs> yeah right a knife would help um i don't know you know i don't know if i really am built to be like making a <laughs> fire right now give me like a a start a pack of matches <laughs> let me get a lighter <laughs> Start a pack until I can figure out this 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 from scratch. <laughs> so that's two. It's about to be over. Well, um, I mean, you might want to. <laughs> you might, might want to get that tarp or something. 
Um, mm, that's a good point. Depending on what kind of island we're talking about. Yeah, it's a domicile of some sort. Like, give me a wing. Give me, like, you know, make it lost. <laughs> First thing to the lost. <laughs> no, that's, that's the thing, because, like, you know, the question, because I felt it was a little rough. The question was like, you know, you let me you let me just now. Otherwise, I would have been like, oh, I can't bring no music. Like, man, it's coming I don't know. <laughs> I oh, some coconut I, drums or something, you know, I would be hurt without music. I don't know what I guess I'll be humming all the time. But I mean, it's it's one of those things where the, the question used to be or this version of the question used to be, um, you know, let's say your your space is damaged beyond repair or it catches fire, Lord forbid, or what have you, what are the three things that you're taking out of your space? It used to be that. Oh, three things I'm taking out of my space. Oh, I know what those are. I feel like for me, it would be, it's mostly, honestly, like my laptop, my hard drive with my family stuff. If I could take them all, then great. I'm actually working on that process right now. If something were to happen, how to have everything in one place and just lug it out. But I'll let you know what I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think a hard drive, my laptop, and I don't even know if it's a laptop now. This is serious. It's on the cloud. <laughs> you know, most of my stuff be backed up, like, unless it's something real crucial, but definitely like family stuff. I think about that more than anything, actually. Um, the clothes could go, like, you know. Hopefully my gear isn't in my house at some point, but it would I, the gear would hurt. But I guess an insurance for that too. <laughs> well, it, it's the hard drive. It's the hard drive and the family stuff. There's enough family stuff for me to take. You know, I would hate to lose originals of family photos that I have from like half a century ago. <laughs> right. That's definitely important stuff. And, you know, people talk about like images, uh, you know, things of that nature. It's hard to replace those. It's hard to replace sort of those things that are part of the family. It's the family story mm -hmm. time right there. And and all that stuff is scanned, but it would hurt me to lose the original, actually. Yeah, I, think yeah. about it. I, I talk to my parents on occasion and they're... Um, when they got divorced, they're definitely, I'm taking all of these photos. I'm taking these. I was like, why are you like fighting over photos? This is wild. And it just speaks on the importance of like capturing those, those images and those memories. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I have to be real. Like everything else can go, but then the family stuff would hurt the most. So, so with that, um, I think this is where we can wind up here. Um, one, I want to thank you for making the time to, you know, chat with me. And yeah, of course. This was a this was a treat, and um, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out, your work, social media, website, all of that good stuff. Ooh. Floor is yours. The best way to check out what I'm doing, I guess, I'm I'm a, I'm a every so often Instagrammer, but um, but it's just Lindell Tellington, my first and last name, um, L E N D L Tellington T E L L I N G T O N. Same thing with my website.com. Um, those are the best places to check out things from me. Um, if you go to either of those places, um, by the time you hear this, there'll be a link to sign up for a newsletter and I'll probably be sending out things. I will be sending out things once a month, nothing too pestery. So that's the best way to probably stay in contact with me and to learn about what I'm doing. But the thing you need to know about most, a little bit of time away from now, but I have a solo exhibit at the Creative Alliance, and that's going to be August 25th. 
through October date to be determined. But that installation um, is sort of the culmination of my um, artist resident of the artist resident program that I've been in for the past three years. And the installation is um, looking at those same themes I mentioned previously in the film, but in the form of an installation. So the question I'm looking at is, if, you know, if you lose your home and your experiences as a family become your legacy. Um, what does it mean to take that legacy and to put it into a space? Um, so thinking about memory and if memories can inhabit a physical space, what does that look like? So that's August 25th. Yeah. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Lyndall Tullington for coming on to the podcast and chatting with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Oh,